approached um, this Sunday, I was a little bit stumped for what to preach because I already finished preaching through the book of Jude. Uh, what was it last week? And so, but I know that for the month of July, um, I've got special speakers to, to preach for us for the month of July because I'll be leading that course in the fellowship hall. What does the Bible teach about human sexuality? And so I thought, well, I got this one Sunday. What can I do with this one standalone service? And I love the book of Jude now. And so I thought, oh, there's all this stuff in the book of Jude that I didn't get to share with you. So this is going to be Jude bonus content. All right? Bonus content. Uh, so I framed it up around, as it, says on the, oh, as it says on my screen but not your screen, the title is For, By, and Through Jesus. So let me tell you how we got to the sermon title first. So as I'm reading through the book of Jude, certain things are popping out to me over the last few months. So like verse 1, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in the God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Our salvation is for Jesus. Then I looked in verse 5 and I saw that our salvation is by Jesus. And then I flipped to the last verse and it says that we are saved through Jesus so I'm like, okay, we're saved for Jesus, we're saved by Jesus, and we're saved through Jesus. What if we could put together a sermon that just highlighted prepositions? Any grammar fans out there? Prepositions? All right. Uh, when I was in school, they made me memorize all the prepositions. What a waste. Um, uh, but here we go. Ready? This is starting at the B's because I can't remember all of them. Before, behind, below, beneath, beyond, between, but by, concerning, down, during, except for, from. Those are the things that you retain, right? You don't retain the things you want to retain. Um, but I can remember some of the prepositions. So what we want to do this morning is look at these three prepositions. For, by, and through Jesus. So in Jude 1, I've already read it for you. We are kept for Jesus. So... We rarely do this, but if you were to look up in a dictionary, well, what does the word for mean? It's just a simple little three-letter word that we use all the time. Well, this little preposition is used to indicate purpose. Or it can be used to indicate an intended goal or an object or a recipient. So let's think about that for a minute. The word for indicates purpose. So what is the purpose of your salvation? It makes sense, too, because I could say, um, what is your salvation for? And you would understand me to be saying, like, what is the purpose? Like, what is it for? So if I could hold my salvation in my hands, and you say to me, well, what is your salvation for? Well, Jude's saying, it's for Jesus. That's the answer to that question. Your salvation is for Jesus. Now, that doesn't come intuitively to me. If you were to ask me, what is my salvation for, I would tell you, my salvation is for my forgiveness of sins. It's for my salvation so I can go to heaven. It's so that I don't have to endure the wrath of God in hell. It's, that's what my salvation is for. But, and those are all true things. There's chapters and verses in the Bible that would make those points. Those are all true biblical um, statements of what my salvation is for. I don't mean to imply they're not, but that's not the point that Jude is making. Jude is adding a point here, and he's saying your salvation is also for Jesus. What is the purpose of your salvation? What is this indicated purpose? It is for Jesus. Now, if you notice, my, my gut response is to say, well, it's about me. 
But Jude is helping us say like, well, yeah, but what if it isn't just about you? What if the world doesn't revolve around you? What if we zoom out and realize that there's a whole bunch of other people on this planet? And what if we zoom out beyond the planet and we see that we're in a galaxy and there are stars and galaxies all around us? What if we zoomed in real tight and looked at an atom and the molecules and the protons and the neutrons that make up every living thing? We might realize that it's all not for me. I might not just be the center. It could be that it's all for Jesus, not all for me. The indicated purpose of our salvation is for Jesus. But this little preposition could also mean goal. So we could be saying, and I think it's saying the same thing actually, that Jesus is the goal of our salvation, our destination, our goal. I went on a bike ride yesterday. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it throughout the sermon because if you spend 12 hours pedaling, it sort of shapes the sermon. Um, so yesterday I went on a bike ride from Point State Park to Presque Isle State Park in Erie. So I have a little map to show you where we went. Um, 156 miles from Point State Park to Presque Isle State Park. Um, if you would have asked me on the ride yesterday, what's the goal? What's, what's this for? Now, there's a certain, I still haven't figured out part of that answer, but um, to illustrate the point is our goal was eerie. The goal was eerie. The goal was Presque Isle State Park, and we arrived. Like, we hit it. We hit the goal. A couple of those cyclists are in the room with me today. Um, none of them skipped church this morning, so good job. Um, so we were all tired when we woke up this morning. Um, we made it to our goal. The goal was Presque Isle. You ask us any point along the way, what's the goal today? We all want to tell you, Erie's the goal. That's where we're going. That's the goal. There's great clarity. And so that's the same level of clarity should be in our Christian lives. Like, what's the goal? What's all this for? What's the destination? Where are we headed? And the answer is Jesus. We're headed for Jesus. But the beauty of what Jude says here is that he hits another aspect of what the word for can mean. And that is recipient. It can mean indicated purpose. It can mean goal. It can mean recipient. And so what Jude is actually saying is he's saying that you are kept for Jesus. That makes me want to continue the bike illustration this way. This is a picture of my bike. I uh, got it in preparation for going on the ride. And let me just tell you, answer the question, why do I keep this bike? What is this bike for? And the answer to that is very simple. It's for me. It's not for my kids. It's not for my friends. It's for me. I keep this bike for me. It brings me joy. It brings, I love it. I enjoy it. And I want to experience life with it. Here's how it works. Imagine that you are Jesus' bike. Why does he keep you for? He keeps you for himself. He loves you. You are treasured and valued. He enjoys you and he loves you and he wants to experience eternity with you. You are kept for Jesus. That's why you are a Christian. It's because God loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you because he wants to keep you. He wants to enjoy you for all of eternity. This tiny little three-letter word for, it has radical implications on our lives. It means that you are treasured and valued. It means you are loved and secure. You have an identity and that is one who is treasured and loved by God. 
Now, if you notice what we just did there is we started with Jesus, didn't we? We said, your salvation is for Jesus. And then what we were able to do is end with an incredible blessing for me. But if we start with me, we don't always necessarily end with Jesus. So Jude is saying this, your salvation is for Jesus. And if you can keep that front and center, just trust me, you will receive radical blessings in the process. But if you just start with yourself, God might not get the glory that's intended. And so we are saved for Jesus from Jude chapter 1. Now if we turn and look at Jude chapter 5, you're not actually going to see the word by, but I think it's certainly implied. So in Jude 5 it says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now the word by is not in there, but it's certainly implied. Who saved uh, the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt? It was Jesus. They were saved by Jesus. The people that were enslaved in Egypt were saved by Jesus. So for is a word that can indicate purpose or a destination. The word by is a word that indicates how. So the definition of by, like you would use that preposition if you want to talk about how something is done, by what agency, by what instrument is it done. And so to continue the the bicycle metaphor for our sermon this morning, how did I get to Erie? By what agency, by what instrument? was the bike. That's how I got to Erie. It was on a bicycle. So the way the illustration works is we are saved for Jesus. He is the destination. He is Erie. But he is also the means by which we get there. We get there by Jesus. We are saved for Jesus and by Jesus. Not just the destination, but also the how. So what does it mean to be saved by Jesus? Well, there's so many different ways we could explain that, but I'm going to go with the, what I grew up calling the Romans Road. So we can look at a few verses in Romans and see what it means to be saved by Jesus. You can look at Romans 3.23 and see that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then in Romans 6.23 it tells us that the wages of sin is death. So we all sin, we all fall short of where God is, and we all have the consequence of that of death. But 6.23 finishes, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's what it means that we're saved by Jesus. It is by Jesus' death on the cross that you and I have salvation. Now you say, well, how can one man pay the sins for all the people in all the world? Well, it's because we believe that that one man was God in human flesh. And through his sacrifice, we could be saved. Popular religious opinion is that you are saved by Religious activity, you are saved by good works. You are saved by trying your best. That's just not what the scriptures say. You are saved by Jesus. He gets all of the glory, not your efforts, and not your religious activity. The best way to illustrate this is to do what Jude says. Jude says the illustration for being saved by Jesus is to look at the Exodus, is to look at the people of God. They were in slavery in Egypt, God looked down and he said, I'm going to set them free from slavery in Egypt. So he sends Moses, he sends those ten plagues. The tenth plague is the angel of death who passes over the land of Egypt. In every home the firstborn son will die unless they have blood of a spotless lamb on the doorposts of their homes. And if that blood is there, then the angel of death will pass over. As they do that, 
just ravages the Egyptian country and the Pharaoh lets the people go and they leave Egypt and head for the promised land. It's the perfect illustration for us because the people of God were in slavery in Egypt. You and I are in slavery to our sin. The people of Egypt were set free from their uh, slavery by a miraculous work of Jesus. You and I are set free from our slavery to sin by a miraculous work of Jesus. The people of God that were in bondage in, in Egypt were spared the wrath of God because the, the blood of a spotless lamb was shed. You and I are spared the wrath of God because the blood of a spotless lamb was shed. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world died on the cross for us. So that's what it means to be saved by Jesus. We are saved by Jesus and for Jesus. And then finally we are saved through Jesus. Through Jesus. So to be saved through Jesus is in Jude 25. I'm going to read for you 24 and 25 to give a little context. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So through Jesus, for Jesus, by Jesus and through Jesus. So through, this preposition has the sense of which it means by way of. Or it indicates movement, passage. It's a word that really, um, it's not static, but it has movement. You're passing through. So for is the destination and by is the means. Well then through indicates a route. It's the route that we're on. It's a, a present, active pathway. Jesus uses these words to describe himself. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. So Jesus is reinforcing this idea that we are saved through him. Now that, in, that implies that Jesus is like a door. And as you pass through a door, you enter into your salvation. That's how Jesus describes our salvation. But Jesus describes it another way as well. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if Jesus is the door, he's actually more than the door. Jesus and our salvation is actually the way that we travel on once we enter into the door of our salvation, isn't he? We enter in that moment when we humble ourselves and ask him to forgive us of our sins, trusting his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. But it doesn't end there. That's just the doorway. Then we continue to live out our Christian life along the way. We continue to pass through Jesus as we go along the way that he lays out for us. If the road that you're on is not passing through Jesus, then you may not be on the road that leads to salvation. Yesterday, we started at Point State Park, and we ended at Presque Isle State Park. We look at the map again. Um, we passed through all kinds of towns along the way. We went through Millvale. We went through North Park. We went through Grove City. We went through Meadville. 
We were on a route, a path. As we passed through these towns, we were traveling by bicycle, and we were traveling for Erie, but we were going through these towns. We were traveling along a route. And at the intersections, wherever you see a turn, then the four of us would stop, make sure we were all there, and we would make the turn together. We would be at an intersection, and we would have to say, you know what we want to do? We want to continue to go through. We want to continue on the route that leads to Erie. And while on the route yesterday, this verse came to mind a few times, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. So as we go along the route, the way, we enter in through the door, we carry on through the way, and through him we have power in our lives. The implications of this are significant as well. Through Jesus gives me confidence in the here and now. It's not all on me, is it? It's through Jesus. It helps me make decisions at the crossroads of life. Am I continuing on through Jesus or at this intersection? Which way should I go so that I continue through Jesus? Sometimes you see we get off of the the path in life, don't we? And we wake up one day and we realize, like, I'm pretty sure I'm not traveling through on the route of Jesus anymore. And we have to reroute and get back. Because the way Jesus wants us to experience our salvation is for us to travel each and every day through him, headed for him, moving by him. It's all about Jesus. He gives us that strength and encouragement and nourishment all along the way as we continue to pass through him. I appreciate your patience with me as I highlight it from the bike ride yesterday. Truly, this morning is not about me. It's about Jesus. But you can't spend 12 hours pumping on a bike without thinking through the sermon this way. So Jesus is our destination. He's where we're headed to. We are headed for Jesus. And Jesus is our transportation. We are getting there by Jesus, by his death on the cross. And we are traveling through Jesus. He is the route on which we go. And may I just say, I think the Christian life is a lot like a long bike ride. It's hard. And it can be very tiring. But it's also rewarding at times. There are times when you just want to quit. It has peaks and it has valleys. It has long uphills and long downhills. It has beautiful views And we're left with wonderful memories. It has scary intersections. And sometimes as you're trudging along, you ask yourself the question, what is all this for? What's the point? And it should, I hope, give us some comfort and peace to remind ourselves that it's not all about me. It's actually all for Jesus. It should take some of the attention off of our pain and shift it and say, well, this is for Jesus. At times, we become arrogant about how good we're doing. And we have to remind ourselves that we're only doing it by Jesus. I could have sat in a chair yesterday and spun my legs for 12 hours, but I wouldn't have gotten anywhere without the bike. Jesus is the bike, right? He is the means by which we get there. 
And without him, there's no, I'm not getting anywhere yesterday for all of the spinning of my legs, but it also highlights the fact that I can't just sit on the bike and not move my legs, can I? Because that's not going to go anywhere in our Christian maturity or living out our mission for Jesus. We have to exert our effort and all the glory goes to him because we only get anywhere if he's involved. So he is for Jesus, by Jesus, and through Jesus. And as we go along the way, we certainly need to pay attention at the intersections. We need to carry on through him, experiencing his power, his nourishment, as we continue on his path, headed for Jesus, by Jesus, and through Jesus. As we close our time together, I would like to transition our thoughts to, to Jesus and, and the act of communion. If you didn't grab one of these, you're welcome to, to grab one now. I'm going to invite the worship team. They can come up and get ready. They're going to give us a moment of, of quiet reflection as we consider what it means to partake in the body and the blood of Christ. We do this fundamentally at its root core. We do this for Jesus, this act of communion. It's fundamentally at its root, not for you. It's for Jesus. And you know, that's true for this whole service. Sometimes um, I'll hear a critique of a church service, and, and sometimes I'll respond this way. So actually, today is my daughter Violet's fifth birthday. We have a little party in the backyard. We got a few decorations up. If I invite you to that party, and then you walk out of that party, and you turn to your friend, and you say, um, I did not like that party. Those games were so childish. And pink? <laughs> pink. I do not like the color pink. Now, you would turn to your friend or your friend would turn to you and they would say, what in the world is wrong with you? That party was not for you. That party was for Violet. In the same way, as we gather here, as we sing these songs, as we partake in communion, it is fundamentally for Jesus, isn't it? We do this for him. His body was broken, his blood was shed, and we celebrate him as we participate in this act of remembrance. We're remembering that it is by his sacrifice that we have salvation. And as we give ourselves a moment to quietly meditate before we participate in this, it's an opportunity for you to evaluate what way you're on. Are you traveling through Jesus' way? Are you relying upon Jesus or your own self-efforts? Is your road at an intersection and you want to make sure you stay on route? As the worship team plays, just take a moment. You can bow your head, close your eyes, just talk with God, prepare your heart, confess your sins, trust in Him as we prepare to partake in communion together.